Hi, welcome to the podcast. I am Joe Posnanski, and with me is Michael Shore. Michael, welcome. Joe, thanks for having me. You are so, so welcome. <laughs> now, let, me, let me ask you, let me, right up front, let me ask you a, a, a kind of serious question. I think it's kind of serious. Would you consider us good stewards for our listeners? I don't know what that means. <laughs> Do you, <laughs> you mean like are we are we providing a good uh, product or something? Is that no, what you no, mean? No, 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 no. We know we're not doing that. No, but do you feel oh, okay. that we we have a level of honesty with our listeners that that is above and beyond, you know, this this new world of fake news? Would you agree with that? Oh, you're saying like, can our listeners, do you think we've built up a certain amount of trust with our listeners where they, where they, they believe us, they have a, a feeling of sort of not just loyalty, but sort of like, these are trusted voices the way that Edward R. Murrow or someone was a trusted voice. Exactly. Yeah. 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 So absolutely. I think a hundred percent, I think we have that with our listeners. Yeah. And, And I agree with you. And that is why we have to begin this this podcast with uh, a little bit of you know a little bit of bad news but a, but a, but a, you know i think that we owe this to our readers uh, listeners uh, last week we did of course our famous now famous i would call it famous uh, you be the commissioner um, <laughs> And, and it, last week, I think it was you make the call, wasn't you it? Make, was it? You make the call. We change it every week. I don't remember what it is. <laughs> we changed the segment after one week because we forgot what it was supposed to be called. Yeah. Well, it's you be the commissioner or you make the call. And our right. and our situation last week was, uh, of course, this is where we break down uh, things that happen in, in youth baseball and, and, right. and allow people, you know, we give you the correct decision. Runners on first and second, nobody out, ground ball to shortstop. The question was, because the runner on second decided not to run, being a young person who did not fully understand the rules, the question was, could you go over, tag him at second base, step on the bag, and throw to first for a triple play? You and I both made the same call, which, I mean, that's that's right. Uh, 9,999,000 times out of uh, whatever, the next. <laughs> out of 10 million? <laughs> 10 million, whatever it is. <laughs> and, and we both said, no, the runner has the right to second. As long as he's staying on second, you can't tag him until the other runner comes over and steps on the base, at which point two runners on the same base, uh, the lead runner is out. Uh, that's wrong. We were wrong. That is That is incorrect. We gave the wrong call. Uh, to our listeners, the fact is, in a force play, uh, the runner instantly forfeits the right to the bag that they're on. So if he had tagged second base first, if he had stepped on the bag first, then he would not have been able to tag the runner because the runner would no longer be forced. But as long as the runner was in a force, you can indeed tag him even while standing on second base, then step on second, then throw to first for the triple play. Yeah, yeah, we blew it. That's interesting. So in other words, if he had, so, okay, let's just one more time, just so I'm clear. So the runner on second is standing on the bag and doesn't move on a ground ball, which is weird, but uh, weird things do happen in youth baseball sometimes. So you go over. So if you, if the shortstop picked up the, the, the hard one hopper went over and for some reason didn't tag the guy on second, but instead stepped on the base, right? Then the guy, who was stand the runner standing on second could just keep standing on second and he would be safe. That is correct. That, that is, is correct. such that is so weird. I mean, there's obviously like the circumstances under which this would ever happen or are, are incredibly remote. But it is weird to think that 
the right play in that scenario is to uh, for the runner is to try to stand stand on second and avoid being tagged until the fielder touches the bag. It's a very weird situation. It is weird. I will say this though, as as odd as this is, we had numerous uh, brilliant uh, listeners to this broadcast uh, tell us that we were wrong. The, 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 this wasn't. I, otherwise, I would just say, "Oh, as one brilliant listener said," but but about fifty r- told right. us we were wrong. One actually sent a clip, and it's a clip of Prince Fielder. There is a sort of a weird, like loopy fly ball with a runner on first base. And and the guy, he fielder kind of like looked like he was going to catch it and then he dropped it. So the guy stayed at first base, but he dropped the ball. So then fielder walked over to him and the guy, whoever it was, stayed at first base. He just stayed on the bag and fielder like kind of thought about it for a second, then tagged him and then stepped on first base to get the double play. So it actually has happened in the major leagues where where this situation came up. Um, and it, indeed, if you tag the guy who is being forced, he's out. Uh, the, I want to say one more thing about this, which is that all of this is fake news and we were right. <laughs> I think our readers can count on that. Look, yeah. we're, we're right. The rule yeah. is wrong. I mean, that's, that's right. just the, the bottom well, line. Well, it's not even a rule. It does, that rule doesn't exist. You're wrong. <laughs> it didn't happen. That doesn't exist. Well, we I said that's right. I think that's fair. I think that's yeah. fair. I, I really do. I really think that's right. All right. Our podcast uh, uh, sponsor this week is Volvo. Uh, by the way, did you see – I'm, I'm going to freelance a little on Volvo here. Did you see that Volvo actually has, like, their, like starting 2019, all their cars, every one of their cars will either be electric or a hybrid? Like yeah, they I will did see that. Up. It's awesome. I That's love it. That's awesome. You know, yeah, and it's like this is the the, the uh, internal combustion engine has been the kind of dominant like gas guzzling machine on Earth for like a hundred years, and I believe this is the the like the internal combustion engine can now see its uh, demise. the The demise of the of the inefficient internal combustion engine is now on the horizon though there's a light at the end of the tunnel it's very exciting and i applaud volvo our sponsor for making that announcement and for doing this it's super cool they i mean i drive an electric car you it's awesome it's wonderful it's uh it's goes it, it does the same exact job as a gas using car it moves me from from my house to various places around my city and uh, and there's no reason for uh, for the internal combustion engine to completely dominate the universe anymore. And so, good job, Volvo. I say, kudos to you. Kudos. I, it's great to have an environmentally, uh, you know, the, the company that cares about about the environment sponsoring forward thinking, a forward thinking company. And by the way, I think that there, there's no question that's why they sponsor the podcast is because of their forward thinkingness. That's right. They're, they are uh, ahead of the curve in both their own manufacturing specs sure, and, sure. Also, and also uh, baseball-related podcasts. Baseball-related podcasts. <laughs> exactly right. That's exactly right. Uh, and, and I'm not going to read the full thing, but I think everybody by now knows that the, they have a Midsommar uh, sales event going on, $4,500 off select vehicles. I'm not messing that up again. Select vehicles and that would not include as as it should not the v90 xc90 momentum or xc90 excellence the, the forget it you're not getting the money off those but right. 
for the rest of them, 4500 bucks off. That's a ton of money. Uh, go to your Volvo dealer. Uh, I'm sure there's one near you. All right. By the way, I would love to drive an electric car. I am so ready for there to be like electric in LA, you guys have that. I mean, the, the rest of the country, we're still catching up on on having actual filling electric filling stations in various places. Um, when that happens, that'll be so awesome. Yeah, it's a, it's getting a very easy to do it in Los Angeles and Southern California. And, uh, you know, there's now rumors of partnerships among different companies and stuff to try to make them as ubiquitous as gas stations in the next, you know, 10, 15 years. And when that happens, it'll be so be easy. Great. Yeah, it'll be great. Oh, it'll be great. It'll yeah. be absolutely great. All right. Uh, so did you did you get to watch uh, some of the All-Star Game festivities? Were you excited? Were you, did you enjoy it? I uh, was at work. You know, it happens kind of early out here. So I didn't. Right. I, I saw mostly the highlights of the um, of the Aaron Judge show uh, from from Monday night. And then I actually did get to see the, uh, the, the All-Star Game from like the sixth inning on or so. I watched it with my son. So I saw Cano's uh, homer. I saw the uh, I saw the end of the game, which didn't seem like a very exciting game. It's weird, isn't it? The All Star Game is fun, but with you know the way that the game works now, uh, with where everybody throws ninety eight and you know the and the strikeouts are at an all time high and all that sort of stuff. The the All Star Game is never going to be a sort of offensive explosion, probably right? Like it, it's it's this weird. They're they're backed into this weird corner because you watch, you know, as this game is going on to the seventh inning, eighth inning, ninth inning, what you see is like it's like well, Kenley's Jansen's coming in for the Dodgers uh, for the NL, he's unhittable, and then Kimbrel's coming in for the Red Sox, he's pretty unhittable, and then you know uh, every reliever coming out of the pen is unhittable and it's just like of course one of them eventually is going to give up a run as right, as uh, right. as the nl Wait, did yeah as yeah but it's like i mean even when kenley and kimbrell aren't at the top of their game which was the case in that inning it's still just like you know also by the way all of the best players are out of the game <laughs> so yeah. i mean they're all all the hitters are good but like all of your bryce harpers and your mike trouts and your Whoever uh, you know, the 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 real true best hitters are gone are long gone, and so you have Avisel Garcia in a, up in a key spot. Now he's a great player, obviously he's a he's one of the best players in the league. But you never get what you truly want, which is right. you want Troy Percival against Barry Bonds in that 2002 World Series, and you never get that because all of the starters are out of the game by the third or fourth inning. Yeah, you know, it's interesting. There, there, there are a few parts of, of the game that really struck me. One is, you, you look, as long as, as long as guys can just have to throw one inning, you're not going to have success offensively. As long as those guys are just throwing, like every, you'll run into a pitcher who doesn't have it that day, and maybe you'll have like a big inning every now and again. But generally speaking, and these are, you know, some of these guys, like Brandon Kinsler and Pat Neshek and, and, and uh, Brad Hand, uh, Roberto Osuno, uh, Osuna, excuse me, I mean, these guys throw. That's all they do. That's their whole job. They're they they go in and they throw one inning, you know, and they blow it out and throw, you know, mid to high nineties, or they have some sort of sick curveball or whatever. And but it's only one inning. They can only do it for one inning. And and that was sort of never. It's it's fine in the regular season where that's part of an overall strategy to get to nine innings. But when you have nine of those guys, 
it it sort of defeats the whole purpose of what the pitcher hitter thing is, you know, in in my book, in my view of how the game is played. So I think that's a real problem. I, I think that everybody talks about all oh, the players don't play as hard. It doesn't mean as much, whatever. I think the biggest problem is there are too many pitchers. You just can't, you know, you used to be, if you were started the game, you went like four, five, six innings going way back or three innings for sure in the 90s. Nobody throws three innings. Nobody, you know, the two innings is the absolute ultimate, and, and and Max Scherzer only threw one inning as a as the starter. So I think that's a real problem. I think that's a real uh, a real issue uh, with the game. But but the other thing I would say about the game is exactly what you're saying. Look, the starters play half the game, and the guys who come in play half the game. And everybody gets two at bats, except for Aaron Judge got three, but everybody else gets two at bats that's not, I mean, it's, it's, it's not a game like that. I mean, that's spring training. That's not, that's not a baseball game where you have strategy and all this. And I do wonder if what they should do is flip it. If you start like are voted as a starter by the, by the, uh, your fans, you actually a finisher, you actually finish the game. So starters go into the game in the fifth or whatever, and they play it out for the rest of the game or something like that, where, your point is 100% right. Suddenly, instead of facing, you know, these these guys who are still very, very good players but not the stars of the game, you've got Bryce Harper, you've got Stanton, you've got Judge, you've got these guys coming up in the ninth inning with the game on the line. I think that would be way better. Okay, so a couple points. One is I am actually more sympathetic to the pitching issue uh, because if you're a pitcher – you're always one pitch away from Tommy sure. John surgery. No, no, and the idea, right. right. It's like the idea of, of like forcing these guys whose livelihoods and futures and careers are, you know, dependent on their ability of their arm tendons to hold together under a repetitive stress. You, it feels crazy to say like, no, you have to go throw X number of pitches or innings or whatever. So I'm sympathetic to that. I actually, well, I have I'm a slightly to that too. Yeah, I know. I I did. I wasn't implying you weren't. <laughs> Just saying like that. You were to me, implying to that. me that that's gotta be because this game is a stupid exhibition that it is meet utterly meaningless no matter how they try to you know gussy it up. Uh, I feel like you got to start there. I have a slightly different pitch. Would tell me what you think about this in that, youth baseball tournaments of which I have been a observer and uh, my son has been a part recently. <laughs> They have a one substitution rule, which basically allows you to take a player out of a game and then reinsert him or her into the lineup once. So right. you, they say it's once because they don't want uh, nefarious managers playing games where they're subbing their best kid out and then subbing that kid back in for, to hit third every inning at right, different right, right. times and places. Right. But you can do it once. So why not make that the same rule with the All-Star game? Which is to say, the starters get to start, and then, you know, Bryce Harper and Mike Trout and Stanton and Mookie Betts and whoever, they all come out of the game. Goldschmidt comes out of the game. And then, starting in the seventh inning, you can reinsert them. You basically put them back into the lineup. And I know it stinks because if you're Avisel Garcia and you're about to get an eighth or ninth inning at bat against, you know, against Kenley Jansen or whoever to in, in order to, uh, you know, have your big moment and you get swapped out <laughs> for Mike Stanton or for whoever, that stinks. 
stinks, right? But that is what you want to see if you're a fan. You want to see the best pitchers in baseball against the best hitters in baseball. And too often in that game, in that silly exhibition, you don't get that. And so I feel like there should be a one one resubstitution rule or something that allows us to get those matchups and would perhaps lead to a little more scoring. You know, I mean, I'm first of all, I'm good with that. I'm good with that. But but the problem to me with with the with the one substitution thing is, and and this is baseball deals with this over and over and over again, is trying to find new ways to do things without without sort of changing the rules that that have guided the game forever. And and you know, and I there's just. You, you make it that way, then suddenly it's really it, it's clearly an exhibition and it's nothing else, which is what it is. But that baseball doesn't want to admit that. Baseball wants to believe that the All-Star game is is a meaningful baseball game in many ways. How about this? Let me, let me ask you about this one, because this is sort of along the lines of what you're saying. But instead of a one-substitution rule, what if starters play the first three innings and last three innings of the game? And, oh, and everybody else gets inserted in the middle of the game. That's it. You get you get you know your your second nine or whatever get put in from three to six or four to six. I guess uh, everybody should get one at bat that way. If if you're if you're a backup, uh, there would be some people that would be left out. But you know, again, what this never was meant to be. Like, a, hey, everybody gets to play kind of game. It's it's for the fans. It's supposed to be exciting. Right. So what about that? What about like a what about a one through three, six through nine type of thing? So you basically you, what you're saying is you have two complete lineups instead right. of That's instead right. of just right. like a bunch of backups and well you know what you have to do then which I'm fine with because again it's pointless <laughs> this right. whole thing is pointless <laughs> is you have to eliminate the one guy per team rule because if you wanted to really unless everybody is going to end up playing out of position. You know what I mean? You're gonna have you're gonna have if you if you just do a, a two complete lineups, uh, you know, one guy at every position. What and you tried to maintain the one guy from every team rule, and you tried to maintain a, right, a right, general right. sense of like lineup construction. You're gonna end up with like four, you know, shortstop or third baseman who, who you know two of them have to play in left and at first, and one of them has to catch. You know, so right. but but if you got rid of that rule and instead just said you're we're doing it like the all NBA team, we're doing it by position. We're saying it's the best, you know, best pitcher, best catcher, best first baseman, second baseman, et cetera, and then the second best first baseman, second baseman, yeah. shortstop, yeah. et cetera. If you just did it that way, you could just say like, all right, here's the way we're doing this. Everybody, the the team, the A team plays innings one through three, which means everyone's guaranteed one at bat. The right. B team plays innings four, five, and six, which means everybody's guaranteed one at bat. And then the right. A team goes back in for the end of the game in order to create the best drama we can create. I love that. I think that's great. That would be really fun. That would really, really be fun. By the way, you, you talk about playing out of position. Avisail Garcia, who you mentioned, played center for like the first time like in five years. I mean, Avisail Garcia is... God bless him. He's not that great a right fielder. I mean, they put him in center at yeah. the end of the game. You know, with with a one run lead, he's playing center field. Well, That's who made the, the catch in? Who made the catch in right? Was it Upton? He was that playing was right field. Upton, yeah, yeah, he, he was playing was, right field. Yeah, so everybody was playing out of position anyway, and I feel like you yeah. know what? It's fun when the All NBA team is announced. It's really fun to see like where like how it all breaks down because you really get to sense. You really get the you get to pretend in your mind that this is a real team, 
And there, of course, have been times when the, you know, in the heyday of, you know, Jeter, Garcia, Parra, A-Rod at short in the American League back in the late 90s, you were gonna, you was like, well, who starts and who cut, like, what are you gonna do, right? And also, by the way, back then there was, you know, uh, who was it? Uh, Carlos Guillen for the Mariners was there was one year where he was just as good as everybody else, and so it was like, well, we can't have four shortstops, and so someone's going to get left out. And one year, I think Joe Torre actually did choose all three of them, because that was back when the managers chose the backups. But regardless, there will be certainly times when, if you went by this uh, new system we're talking about, to, like the first team and the second team, basically, you're going to run into situations where deserving guys get left off. But that also happens now, it and. By the way, when next year, when the Western Conference All-Star team is chosen, there's going to be some crazy stuff going on. We're like, Anthony Davis isn't an All-Star because the the 14 out of the 15 best players in the entire league are in the West. So, you know, you're allowing for the true undeniable fact that no matter how you do this, there are going to be deserving players who get royally snubbed. Then this, to me, is a better. I think we've we've solved it, Joe. We've we solved, solved it. We've solved, solved it. We solved the All Star game. Yeah. Why don't we implement? Who do you want? Should you call Manfred or should I call him? I've got his number well, in my phone. Why don't you Why don't you call him and then we'll follow up with him later. Let's just do it that way. Sure. One. Yeah. You call. Yeah. You. Why don't you call him? I'll email I'll him. Let him know him. you're going to call, and then I'll kind of hit him. I'll come at him from the other side in a couple I think hours. That works perfect. It works perfect. It's good. Look, he'll be so relieved. Because he'll be like, thank you. Somebody just solved this for me. I don't know why it took me so long, me, the commissioner of baseball, to come up with this plan. But, but he would it, know that us being the commissioner, he would know that, that that certainly our solution would be the correct solution. Well, I think he'll be very also impressed at what good stewards we are for our listeners. You know what I mean? Like, I feel like you're us coming clean about how we blew that call is going to really impress him in terms of our integrity. No question. Uh, yeah. No so question. I'm, I'm going to, I should officially uh, formally retract my claim of fake news from earlier <laughs> because I don't want that to be the thing that makes Rob Manfred not listen to us. <laughs> By the way, I have to, I have to say this, this is just a, a, a complete aside, but you mentioned the Justin Upton play uh, that he made, uh, which was a very nice play. It was on uh, Corey Seager. Corey Seager was the one that hit the ball uh, right. line drive to right. Uh, I was sat on the plane on the way back from the All-Star game next to Corey Seager's parents. Really? Oh, they couldn't have been nicer. Just the the nicest people. So super duper nice. Uh, you know, they're they're from actually from North Carolina. They're from Charlotte. They uh, uh, actually Kannapolis and uh, just super duper nice. And and uh, he was saying, you know, he was. Uh, the dad was talking a little bit about launch angle and how how Seager just missed the launch angle on that ball because because otherwise it would have been uh, a home run and yeah. that would have been awesome and everything. And Corey Seager, you know, I mean, what do you say? You say to your, you know, the the you know, I've, he is not only the father of Corey Seager, also the father of Kyle Seager. Uh, right. Basically, it's like. How, how did you do that, man? Like, how did you? How the heck, how the heck did you do that? Two very good. I mean, Seager is, good, is insanely good. Not yeah. that Kyle Seager is not. Kyle Seager's an All Star and a Gold Glove yeah. winner and and total stud. Two of those guys in the same family. I mean, that's look. My dad tried that. It didn't work for him. Like, how, how in the world you've got a son? Like, how, how you know? Wouldn't you want like advice on how to turn your son into a into a, a a major league baseball star without, of course, totally screwing him up and being a stage father and all that sort of thing? But wouldn't you want advice on that? 
I think, you know, of course you would, but also so much of it is genetic lottery, of right? Course, it's yes, like yeah, there's a, there's a, uh, I mean, Corey Seager is what, like 6'3", 230, and, yes. and Kyle's probably around the same, and, you know, there's, 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 there's a, 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 the best sort of, the best uh, uh, kid who plays in my son's Little League uh, travel team is uh, just like a natural, just a, a, yeah. an absolute natural athlete. The first kid in his age group to hit a, a home run over the fence in a game, uh, which he did at age nine, which is insane. <laughs> it's like, you know, uh, and his older brother, he has an older brother who plays on an, uh, who's like, I don't know, 11 or tw- no, maybe 12, 13, who plays on an AAU uh, basketball team that's like, you know, a ranked nationally, like top oh, 20 ranked yeah, program. Yeah. And, you know, they're just like, they're, and they're really nice kids and the parents are really nice. And his, uh, their mom was a, a competitive tennis player in college and, you know, their dad was an athlete and it's just sort of like, yeah, they just got really good genes and they work really hard and they right, have this, you right. know, they have these very bright athletic futures ahead of them. Uh, it's pretty, yeah, it's like a, it, so much of it is just that it's like my son is, has, is very good hand-eye coordination. He's a very good fielder. He's really like, you know, he's in the upper echelon of his age group for baseball, but he's also like the shortest kid on his team. And right. it's just like a, at a certain level, you know, youth sports is about mass. It's just like how yes. how much mass yes. do you have? And it doesn't mean that you can't be a good player if you're if you're undersized. It just means that if you're not undersized, if you're in fact oversized, you have a giant advantage. And and then that advantage leads to you getting more, being more confident, having more, getting more reps, playing on more teams, having more better competition. And then you know, it's one of those Malcolm Gladwell things where like there are certain just luck aspects of sure. the way that you develop as a kid that will lead to you being Corey Seager. Uh, some of it, you know, 80% of it is, or let's say 70% of it is incredibly hard work and dedication, and 30% of it is a roll of the dice. Yeah, I think that's right. But but I also would say this, it, it's so easy for any parent, and this is, I, I see this over and over again, to forget just how high that ladder is. I mean, that's the, that's the big thing. You know, I have a uh, a very very good friend whose son is a superb swimmer, like just a just a fantastic swimmer. For he's, he's probably he's 16 now, and he's just a fantastic swimmer. He's probably, but uh, by the time he's a senior, I we we both think that he'll win uh, the Ohio State um, title in in a couple of different events. Swim. I mean, so he's like he's ungodly. He's a terrific, incredible. He's, he's the best athlete you know i mean i you know the i've known him his whole life i carried him when he was a baby whatever uh but he's the best athlete that i've known my whole life um you know how far he is from the olympics i mean you know how far <laughs> away that is? and he knows that I mean, he's a super smart kid and he, he gets it he understands you know he, he's up against somebody else in ohio who's like incredible like going to stanford like a top level superstar swimmer you know how far that guy is from the Olympics. You know what I mean? I mean, it's like it's it's the the ladder just keeps going up and up and up and up and up. That's why, to me, to have two guys, no matter how what your genetic makeup is, and certainly the genetics are a huge, huge part of it, to have two not just major league baseball players, but major league baseball stars in the same family, it's incredible. I, I just think it's incredible. Yeah, it's uh, the the. It's a weird thing, right? When you're a kid, like my son, my son has already changed his kind of future goals from mm-hmm. being a major leaguer 
to being an announcer. Now <laughs> I want to be an announcer. <laughs> That's awesome. Yeah, and it's like it, and it's because he, you know even at nine he can see like he he sort of intuitively understands that in order to get to the majors you have to be the very 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 best person. Yeah. And so he's not the very 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 best person on his team. And so I think he's he's made the leap, right? It's like well if I'm not the best person on the nine U pony team then how am I going to ever be the best? <laughs> like I, you have like you, cause you keep getting weeded out, right? The best kids move on and then they're not the best kid anymore. And then there's a new best kid and that kid moves on and then he's not the best kid. There's some right. other kid. So like, he's already kind of intuited that, that true sad fact that we all go through when we're kids, which is, Oh, I'm never going to make the majors. So he's already switched to like, for a while he was like, I think I want to be an umpire. And now he's like, I want to be an announcer. Cause Vince Scully retired. And yeah. so he is, he's like sensing there might be an opening in the, <laughs> in he's, right. the, he's, yeah, right. he's not wrong. Yeah. I mean, you know, Charlie Steiner's getting up there too, by the time he's in a position to announce, you know, who knows? So it, it, it's a weird, uh, it's a weird thing to watch your own son come to the conclusion that you inevitably came to, you know, 30 years before, which is, Oh, I'm not going to be a major league baseball player. That's interesting. You know, but you, but you know what's weird? I mean, not to we're already on this subject. So, you know what's weird is, and and I say this with all due whatever modesty for for you, toward you or whatever, but you're that guy. Like in your profession, you're a guy who like if you had dreamed about about writing, uh, you know, doing being a uh, an executive producer for for successful television shows as a nine year old, you know that would seem uh, attainable. And as you get older. It, it seems less and less and less attainable um, for, for, you know, millions of people across the country. Uh, and frankly, even I'm like that, you know, I mean, where I'm, I'm writing sports for a living and how many people would love to have my job. I mean, it's insane. So why is it? Because that definitely happened to me. And it probably wasn't much older than, than your son's age, where I looked and said, there are other players on this team that are better than me. So that's that doesn't really bode well for my major league future. I mean, it's, it, if, if I'm right. not if I'm the fourth best player on my team, then I'm not really that's not great, uh, you know, as far as that. But I still thought, oh, you know what? I could be like a sports writer and like work like a, and, and make a living doing this crazy thing and all that. I mean, that's it just seems weird that in sports it's it seems more obvious to you i think well yeah i mean uh first of all thank you for your kind words oh, no. uh i i do consider myself the avisel garcia of comedy <laughs> writing uh <laughs> you play center also you can yeah, play. I play out i play out of position <laughs> uh but I, I the obvious reason right is that i didn't know for example that comedy writing existed until i was yeah. whatever 16 like it's right. you don't i or maybe later i think uh so it's you when you're uh, when you're nine and you fall in love with baseball or seven and you fall in love with baseball and you start playing it in your backyard, you're like, okay, well, this is what I'm going to do. This is the thing I love. And this is, I'm going to, I'm good at it and I'm going to do that. And so it's a, it's just a thing that occurs to you as a possibility because you're looking at those guys who you worship and idolize and they're playing the same game you're playing. They're in a uniform. They're playing, they're holding a bat. They're on a pitcher's mound. They're, they're picking up the ball and throwing it. And so it's a, it's a tangible, immediate kind of possibility in a way that a lot of other careers aren't. Now the same thing, by the way, when I was probably 15 or 16, I stopped playing baseball and I started contemplating a future as a sports writer. That was my sort of, that was my immediate 
uh, change over was uh, I'll be a, was I be a sports writer and I, I devoured all of the you know Sports Illustrateds and and sporting news and all that sort of stuff. Sport magazine, Sport magazine, Sport magazine sure. was great. Sure. And uh, and you know I I like ripped off a whole. Uh, you know, articles or at least, you know, styles and stuff and would write sure. English papers in the style of those of those men and women who wrote for those magazines. And so, you know, I think that like at different ages, if you're if you're obsessed with sports at different ages, you have different goals and the goals go from, you know, player to then maybe somewhere in the middle you go like, well, maybe you'll be a coach or an announcer and then maybe I'll be a sports writer. And then, you know, that is, I would imagine that's how most people end up in your profession, oh, right? Yeah. It's like they, they thought they, it, they went from player to something else to sports writer. And it's just because they love being around the game and they, they figure out how to do it. Yeah, no, that's right. I think that's right. And, and you don't know the odds and you don't understand, you don't care particularly. I mean, you know, that's, I was probably, you know, even a little bit older than that when I kind of realized that this was an actual job, like being a sports writer. I, I mean, I'd been reading sports writing all my life. It never occurred to me there were people behind that. You know, it's just, you don't think about it that way. It's just their stories are there and, you know, and, and I knew some of the names, but I didn't, I still didn't ever associate them with actual human beings, you know? And so, yeah, I think that's true. I, I just think it's funny that, that maybe that's, maybe that's just the way it is. Maybe it, what happens is you have the reality. Um, the reality hits you not only that, Hey, I'm not good enough. There are all these people that are better than me, but the reality hits you that, you know, I, I, I can do something else. Like there's something else I can do that I can that I can love and and enjoy, and maybe maybe what what really has to happen in order for you to be successful, golfer, tennis player, whatever, is just go. There's nothing else that that I would enjoy this much. There's nothing. Right. There's nothing else that could drive me uh, to just work nonstop. So maybe maybe that's part of it too. Here's an interesting question for you, theoretically, and then we should move on to our draft. How many people out there have been? you know, like a super, super crazy stud athlete in like in a sport where you can make a ton of money. So right. baseball, basketball, I guess football, although football <laughs> less interesting than less in, for this. Analogy. But how well I just mean, how many people have there been like that who were like, you know, 16, let's say 15 or 16 and were th like. You're a, you could absolutely turn pro you if you just keep going. And we're like, no, I'm not doing it. I'm going to do something else. I mean, there obviously have been some, right? But like, I it's it's interesting to imagine that there have been there are people walking the earth right now who could have been successful major league baseball players or professional sure. basketball players who decided this isn't for me. I don't want to do this and walked away. I mean, you know that that's true of let's say tennis. Because tennis is an it, uh, being an individual game, the burnout rate, the attrition rate is incredibly high. Right. Uh, yeah. And um and and so there, in every sport, but like these sports where you can make a lot of money, and the reason I say football is less interesting for this hypothetical is because there are other obviously good reasons to not play football. Right. right? right There's right, like right, you, right, right. if you're aware of the of the risk to your body and your brain and everything else, you you might be more likely to quit. But how many people are there? Give me a number. How many people out there could have been major league baseball players or professional basketball players who, who at age, let's say by age 16, just walked away? I, I would, there certainly are those people out there, no question. I, I imagine that number is 
pretty small, though. I mean, yeah. Well, you know, uh, there's only like 600 Major League Baseball players. Well, that's or right. That's right. That's right. <laughs> well, I mean, I think you would ask the question: How many people start in the minor leagues who have like a real future? And you know, because you're only 18, assuming you come right out of high school, how many start in the minor leagues and then after a year say, "No, nah, I don't love this. This is not even even though I have a bright future." Um, I'm not doing it. They're not that many. They're just not that many that, that do that. And so it, it almost would have to be younger. You know, it almost have to be like at 14 or 13. 14, yeah. Yeah, yeah. where you're like, you know what? I, this guy is an incredible athlete, but he doesn't love it. He wants to do something else. He, you know, which is which is cool. I mean, I think that's, I think that's great. You know, I, you hear from people that say that all the time. Say, oh, I was a really, really good baseball player at 14, but I loved science or I loved... Uh, writing, or I love something else. I mean, I don't know how honest they're being with us, but but I mean, you hear people say that. I imagine younger. I think once you get to sixteen or seventeen, if you're that good, it's awfully tough to walk away at that point because you've done like most of the journey, right? I mean, it feels it feels like you know you're you're five years away from from being where you know where the money is is incredible. So. Uh, it's a great question, though. It's a great question. One I last say, thing. I'm going to say. I'm going to say there. There's um, eight. <laughs> there's eight people. Oh, so you had a number? Okay, I, you yeah. actually want a number? Yeah, eight. I want a number. Yeah, I'm going to say yeah. eight. Eight, yeah. eight to fifteen, somewhere in that range of eight to fifteen people. All right. One last thing before we uh, get our draft. Our draft is going to be uh, salty snacks. By the way, just for, for just to just to get people excited about this 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 draft. Salty snacks. Uh, did you see Andy Murray? Uh, yesterday, Andy Murray lost at Wimbledon. He looked like he was really, really hurt um, in the last couple of uh, sets. He lost to uh, Sam Query, the American, first American male to go to the semifinals at a major in forever and at Wimbledon since like 2001 or something. So uh, he has asked the question, Andy Murray's asked the question, how do you feel about uh, Sam Query being the first American to, uh, to, to, to reach the semifinals at Wimbledon uh, in forever? And uh, Murray said, male. He just said, male. And the guy kind of like giggled a little bit like, oh, yeah, yeah, m- male player. That's what I meant. And, <laughs> and Murray did not giggle, did not smile. He just had this look like you are so, you, you realize like the greatest women's tennis player ever is American, right? You do know that, right? You're aware. I mean, he just had this look on his face. I just thought moment of the tournament right there. I just thought that was so awesome. It was the best. It was it was wonderful, and it was a this incre- like sometimes there's these little like an unexpected from an unexpected source. Right. These incre- these little signs of the immense amount of progress that society <laughs> has made in the last in the last like thirty forty years. And I when I saw that I was like, oh, that's 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 what it is. That's like that's is. that that guy. Who, by the way, like the the narrative of that guy is first British Wimbledon winner, right? right? And in, right. in forever, which is obviously in my mind what the question was getting at, right? It's like as a person who has been the first person from this country to, to get win. this thing, if, you right, know, whatever. Right, right. How do you feel about this? The guy who beat you, and to have him not it's like first of all, like get outside of his own frame of reference right in 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 such a in such a sort of like a like a self assured way <laughs> and also then shut down this kind of moment of sort of ignorant sexism, I was like that is a huge step forward for the universe, <laughs> like just really well done, buddy, like so happy that that happened, 
and happy that it like got picked up by the news media and, and thrown around and stuff. And by the way, Venus is now as we as we record this, Venus is now going to the finals, and it's insane. <laughs> it's utterly insane. Like uh, that that like those two should never be slighted in that in this way, right? Ever. Like the, the Williams the Williams family should never they it, um, for goodness sake have they not earned the right not to be forgotten or slighted <laughs> when it comes to the history of tennis. I mean, good gravy. Yeah, uh, yeah, I loved. It. I thought it was the. You're right. Moment of the tournament. In fact, not only moment of the tournament, like the moment of all of Wimbledon, at least since Murray won. I would say, right? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I, it was great. It was so. It was so great. We ought to do at some point. We ought to do a special podcast just about the Williams sisters because that story. I don't care how many times that story gets told. That story of those two becoming two of the greatest tennis players greatest athletes in American history, the greatest yeah. tennis player. And then, by the way, Venus, like, you think, oh, Venus was a good player, too. Yeah, she won five Wimbledons and might win her <laughs> six. She wasn't just a good player. She wasn't Avisel Garcia, okay? No. She's one of the five greatest players ever also, you know? I mean, yeah, she's, like, <laughs> probably, like, fourth or fifth yeah. greatest all time, right? Yeah, like, yeah. yeah. And, and then her sister is the greatest by a wide margin. It's It's crazy. <laughs> It's crazy. All right. Salty Snacks is our draft. That's all we discussed. Um, and who has the first pick? Do you have the first pick? I believe you do. And I don't really care. So go ahead. You didn't really care. All right. So um, first pick in, in the Salty Snacks draft, uh, I am going to take. And I, again, I'm going to go right away for, for something a little bit controversial. See if we can go with the uh, commissioner on this. I'm going to go with pretzels uh, with my first pick because I want all pretzels. So I want like the small, crunchy pretzels uh, that you can get in bags. But I also want the pretzels that are on the grill at ballparks, like the big soft pretzels. Like if you go to Philadelphia, you can get like awesome pretzels there. Chicago has great pretzels. Uh, I want all of them. I want every kind of pretzel. Uh, I love pretzels um, of all kinds. I, I do not have any specific um uh, you know, pretzel that I do not like. Uh, I like I like pretzel. I don't. You know what? That's not true. I don't necessarily like those big, fat, hard pretzels like the the, the kinds that they they sell in 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 bags sometimes. Uh, that they're like they're they're shaped like big pretzels and they're 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 really really hard. And I'm not crazy about those. Every other kind of pretzel is awesome. So first pick, I'm taking pretzels. I mean, you can have them. Oh my gosh. I mean, you're there's down one, on pretzels. There's one good kind of pretzel, which is which is a, a warm, soft yeah, pretzel. Right, that's right. That's it. The rest of them are garbage. The the every every kind of like out of the box pretzel you can eat is dis- it's paper. It's a thick wad of paper with salt on it. Those big hard ones are nasty. Pretzel sticks are gross. They're over salted. <laughs> They're terrible. Most pretzels are bad. There's one good kind, and the good kind is really good. So, like, congratulations really? in your in your massive like fishing net that you just <laughs> threw out to trawl in all brands of pretzels. You managed to also get warm soft pretzels, which is the only kind. No, no, the that, warm that, soft that... warm soft pretzels barely make my top ten. Like, you can have oh, all the pretzels oh, you want. It's wow. it's old crusty stale bread with salt on it. Like, congratulations. <laughs> I mean, this. I mean, what the, you've already lost. This is you've already lost the draft because no matter what, even if you take a bunch of other good stuff, 
with two through five, the fact that you that you chose pretzels, you you just this is a Ted Ginn Jr. situation. You just chose <laughs> Ted Ginn Jr. Not number nine overall or whatever the Dolphins chose him at, but you chose Ted Ginn Jr. number one overall. Like you had you had huge like anchor, like Orlando Pace type offensive lineman waiting to be drafted that could anchor your offensive line for years to come. You had franchise quarterbacks. You had Andrew Luck out there on the board. No, you chose Ted Ginn Jr. No, because I, I he's, don't, because I, he's I, fast. That's what I, just happened. I don't think so. I don't think so. I'm getting pretzels, all pretzels, which is great, but I'm getting all the soft pretzels, which is the single Fine. best snack. So what you're going to do then is eat the soft pretzels and throw all the other ones in the garbage where they belong? Congratulations. <laughs> what are you? Go ahead. Go ahead. Go ahead with your pick. Go ahead. I don't even know what to do now. I mean, every single every single one of the things on my board is better than pretzels. Okay. All right. Uh, let's, let's hear it. Let's hear it. Man, I don't know. There's no obvious. I mean, look. A lot of people are going to yell at me for this. A lot of people are going to say that the number one overall is should be a Dorito. That's going to be a popular thing. A lot of people are going to say it's like Cheetos or popcorn. I'm going with almonds. I'm going with salted almonds. Salted almonds are the best snack. They're they're delicious. They're incredibly addictive. They're also they also have the insane benefit of kind of being good for you, which is which is among salty snacks incredibly rare. Uh, and I also just, you, you can put them on ice cream. You can put them on anything. You eat them with fruit. They're delicious. You can put them in salads, anything you want. They're great. I'm choosing salted almonds. Yeah. All right. They're fine. Salted almonds are good. I, I mean, I'm, I'm not, I'm not down on salted almonds. They're fine. They're fine. Here's the question though, because I, I have on my list, my second pick overall, uh, is a snack that includes salted almonds. So can I? Do I not even? Do I not get the almonds? No, in, that's in, go ahead. It doesn't. It doesn't. It literally doesn't matter. You chose pretzels number one, so you can do whatever you want. <laughs> my second pick is what was going to be. It was going to be my first pick, but I kind of thought that you would be wise enough to understand the awesomeness of pretzels. Uh, as it turns out, I could have. I could have waited on that pick. Um, but my my second pick is going to be the premium snack, uh, the premium nut mix. So in the in the premium nut mix is your almonds, your cashews, which are awesome, fantastic. Uh, there are pecans in there as well, but there are no peanuts. No peanuts. Uh, I, I don't even want. I'll get into peanuts later. Um, that is just that is such a good thing. I mean, if I'm if I'm just hungry. It's sort of, you know, there's like, there. you talk about being good for you. It's not, you know, it's fairly good. It's the low carb thing too, which that's, I guess, pretty good. Um, and they're delicious. They're just absolutely delicious. And I want, I want that variety. That's the thing. The, the salted almonds are certainly a, a, a prize of the premium nut mix, uh, but, but they're all good. I like every one of those nuts and I like the variety. Premium nut mix with my second pick. I mean, I, I have to say, the commissioner is going to come down on you super hard here. You're, you're, you're not choosing, you're not, you're not even choosing snacks. You're choosing like categories. No, no, you're choosing a, all pretzels and all. I'm trying to have some integrity with the way that I go about this, but you're, you're choosing all pretzels and now all nuts, basically. No, no, just I mean, those three. Those are the ones in the premium. Yeah, but come on. Like I broke down nuts into individual I did not categories. Know you do that. I did not know. Right. We never talk about these things. I guess, I guess the, you know, this is like a, 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 some of us like to approach these things with integrity and some of us don't. I guess that's what I'm learning today. 
<laughs> all right. <laughs> no, by the way, so do you, when you when you will you pull out the almonds and that'll be the all you'll have? You'll just have an almond like a thing of almonds, or do you or do you go with like a a general nut mix? Well, I do both, but I wouldn't in a draft of salty snacks. I wouldn't try to say like all nuts in one. No, I didn't say all category. nuts. I said the premium. You know, they sell them the together. Premium, right? yes, I know, but that they premium mix has almonds, cashews, and and. This has peanuts in it too, right? Almonds, cashews. They are not not in a premium nut mix. That's what I'm telling you. There are no peanuts in there. What are what's the other one? Almonds, cashews, and what? And uh, pecans. And pecans. Well, I mean, good lord. Uh, it just why don't you just choose all food? Why don't you? Well, your third pick should be food, because no, that that'll give you everything that has salt in it. Premium nut mix, right. delicious. I'm gonna pick. I'm I, I'm going. Uh, I'm going out of the world of of. Uh, I'm going into the cracker world. <laughs> I'm gonna pick triscuits, and a lot of people think triscuits are boring. They are, but because you've eaten them since you were a kid, triscuit is the best cracker. Secretly, secretly, the triscuit is the best cracker. It is so good and so like it, it's the per. They they have a thing in in the world of uh, snack food they call the bliss point. Are you familiar with this concept? I am not the bliss familiar point. with the bliss point. No. Okay, so it's uh, it, the bliss point is this combination that snack food engineers have. Uh, named it um, the bliss point it's the combination of sort of crunch saltiness like sweetness mouth feel like they they where it's like the maximum um pleasure that you get from eating the snack that that um makes you want more of it so it doesn't it can't sate your desire for it so if you make something too salty or too sweet or too flavorful, you will you'll eat it and go like, "Ooh, boy, that's rich! I don't want to have any more of that." So what they're looking the the bliss point is the perfect combination of sort of crunch, size, mouthfeel, color, smell, whatever that gets you to fully enjoy the product and then also crave another one. And in the world of I I don't remember where I read this. It might have been Fast Food Nation or uh, some similar uh, book. Um, basically, the Dorito, the like cool, the classic Dorito is known in the uh, world of um, of fast food to have like the perfect bliss point. It's the most kind of addictive uh, ah. f- uh, snack. It, yeah. And uh, I don't personally agree with that. I kind of get it. I personally think the Cheeto has a higher bliss point <laughs> than, oh, wow. than the Dorito. Yeah. But uh, Trisket has a pretty great bliss point. It, it, it has a pretty like satisfying, there's something about the texture of it, the sort of wheat texture of it. And the, and the saltiness, and you can eat it with cheese, or you can eat it with peanut butter. You can eat it with a lot of different things, and it tastes good. And I feel like, I know it seems like it's boring, because you've had Triscuits forever, and you yeah. would never think to yourself, I'm going to go get a Triscuit. But when you do go get that Triscuit, you are so happy. It's the best cracker. I'm going Triscuit number two. Okay. Uh, it's boring. That's just a boring pick. I, I mean, it just is boring. And... The only way I'm eating a Triscuit, and I like Triscuits, they're fine. The only way I'm eating a Triscuit is if I'm putting something else on it. I'm not going to eat like a bunch of Triscuits with nothing. I'm not going to have it without cheese or peanut butter or something to dress it up. I mean, how good of a cracker can it be if it desperately needs like a partner to be like edible? 
it can be really good. <laughs> it's a really good cracker, and it's good by itself, and it's good with other stuff on it's it. What do you not want? That good by you're, you're angry. It's not you're angry that good by you're angry at Chris gets versatility. That's what you're telling me. How good can Ben Zobris be if he plays four or five different positions? You did. You just took the Ben Zobrist of of of, of salty snacks. In yeah, Ben Zobrist, one of the one of the best and most valuable players in baseball. Yeah, I took Ben Zobrist in the second round. You're you took Ted ben. Ginn Jr. number one overall. You have no standing here. I took Mike Trout with the first you know, overall no, pick. You, you know who you took with the first pick in baseball terms? You took Willie Mo Pena. You I did saw not Willie, take you Willie saw, Mo Pena. You saw Willie Mo Pena taking batting practice, and you were like, man, this guy hits at like 500 feet. I'm taking Willie Mo Pena first overall. And then I was like, okay, I'll take Mike Trout and Ben Zobrist. <laughs> First of all, you're admitting he's Ben Zobrist. You just yes. took Ben Zobrist. Ben what, Zobrist not- was an incredibly important baseball player. And you took you took Ben Zobrist. Oh my God! Go ahead. You've you've First lost. Off. You've lost. You've now lost. You've lost ethically, and you've also just straight up lost. <laughs> all right, that was just. It was fine. It's fine. It's. A, I'm not. I'm not. It's fine. It's a perfectly fine cracker. All right, with my third pick, I am going to take popcorn. I, I, I cannot wait to hear your your down uh, level on popcorn. Uh, popcorn is just, I mean, it's just delicious. It's just awesome every time you eat it, no matter what. It's great for all circumstances. Uh, people are willing to spend like 20 bucks for a bag when they go to the, to the movies um, because they feel like they have to have it at the movies. It's the ultimate, like, just you don't even think about it. You just throw them in your mouth. They're so delicious. If there is a bliss point for things like popcorn, uh, popcorn, like, you know, it's like, and it's God made the popcorn. So I'm just going to just say totally uh, third pick, steal popcorn. No, it's a good pick. I'm not, I'm I'm not going to argue with this. It's a good pick. It was going to be my third pick. Uh, It's a great snack. No problem with popcorn. It also means that I now have to go into the like, more sort of manufactured yeah, of yeah. Uh, snacks to, to do this because popcorn is somewhat natural if you somewhat. don't yeah um but i'm gonna way, I, when, I, you, I gotta, when you have your popcorn do you do you do it do you butter it up or do you any no. of that stuff i find the butter to be too much like the yeah, the greasy slimy butter just regular popcorn <laughs> by the way is cooked in oil it's not like there isn't any <laughs> fat on the popcorn it's cooked it, it's heated up and cooked in oil right and then salted it's it's a that's plenty and uh yeah i don't also tend to go in so much for the uh, like candied popcorns i don't know about you but i don't yeah, love I'm the like huge i'm not a huge huge fan of the i mean every every now and again we do have like because my daughter loves it and so we have like a bag of like the chicago mix popcorn which will have like a little bit of cheddar popcorn and a little bit of uh uh like the caramel stuff and it's fine it but uh, no regular popcorns doesn't it the unlike triscuits it doesn't need anything to be added to it to make it great oh my god (laughs) all right uh i'm gonna go with uh the most to in my mind the most delicious manufactured piece of uh uh fast food uh, or uh, you know snack food garbage which is Fritos. Fritos. Fritos are so good. They're it's good. crazy how good they are. It's yeah. it's unpleasant because the the experience of eating them makes me very very conscious that this food product that I'm shoveling into my mouth was invented by scientists <laughs> e- like evil scientists to get me to 
to get my brain to like the synapses in my brain to like fire repeatedly as quickly as possible. It is so it's like it's like McDonald's. It, it's a thing that was manufactured and designed by people in a laboratory to say, like, how can we how can we make the human brain like lose its lose itself in the bliss of this product. Right. How do however, manipulate people? Yes. Yes. And however, they've done an amazing job. <laughs> <laughs> and because the Frito, you, I, I have to like physically restrain myself from eating Fritos if I see them somewhere, because if I start, I will not stop. Yeah. Well, whoever, Dr. Frito or whatever, who invented the Frito. Yeah. Uh, it's, it you know I, you you talk about that bliss point thing that I just now learned about and 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 thoroughly love. God, Frito has to have a pretty high bliss level, Huge. right? It's, it's yeah, not like very, very you, high, you have yeah. a whole bag of Fritos and that bag's not surviving. I mean, it's just there's no you're not stopping and saying, oh, I've had enough Fritos. Like that doesn't that that urge never goes away when you have Fritos. Now what? It, now speaking of this, because this will I'm sure come up again if if we have any other manufacturer type things. What do you think about the other sort of flavored Fritos, like the barbecued Fritos? Zero interest. Right. Literally zero interest. I I I want nothing but the classic Frito, and that goes for most of the chip type things. Yeah. Uh, why I don't? I, there's no way to improve upon the the weird fake corn salted corn taste of the frito it's impossible don't try don't ever try <laughs> yeah i agree i actually i you know it's funny because when i was in college um there used to be obviously there were snack machines all over and i would eat i would eat the barbecued fritos like all the time like I, that was i was sort of obsessed with the barbecued fritos and um I had one not that long ago. Like there was a bag and I'm like, oh, barbecue Fritos. I haven't had a barbecue Fritos since college. And I ate it and I'm like, this is disgusting. What in the world was I thinking back then? I mean, it's like just the Frito is the Frito. You don't need anything else. That's it. It's done. So yeah, it's a good, it's it's a, a good, it's it, a good pick. It's a good pick. It's terrible for you. It's a, it's a good pick. Um, <laughs> Well, they're all terrible. I mean, most of the stuff that we're getting is terrible for you. All right. Uh, with my uh, – are we the fourth round already? Is that where we are? So fourth right. pick. Um, again, I'm, I'm going to be be pushing the commissioner on this one a little bit. I like mixes. I'm like a, I'm like a, a mix uh, person. Like I like snack mixes. Uh, and uh, I like the Chex snack mix. So I'm going to pick the Chex snack mix. Now, it has some of the other things that were – uh, that we've already drafted, so I don't know how that works, but I don't care at this point. Um, just it, you know, it has like a little, it has like it's some pretzels in there. It has like the checks, uh, the check cereal thing, which is actually I don't like those uh, in cereal, uh, but they're when they're salted, they're they're fine, they're crunchy, they're good. Uh, but it also has those really good little Melba toast things that I think are absolutely fantastic. Uh, and could have just taken Melba toast, but I I wouldn't eat necessarily Melba toast on its own. I like it in the mix. So uh, with my fourth pick, I'm going to take the Czech snack mix. What is going to happen to you when you have to be hospitalized for dehydration <laughs> because you've eaten nothing but the driest, stalest, saltiest bread you can find and you literally all of the water all of the water in your body gets absorbed into the little pieces of melba toast and the, all of the pretzel sticks and hard pretzels that you're eating i don't what is wrong with you that stuff is disgusting who who chooses 
Chex Mix because of the Melba toasts. It's the it's the it's the thing. It's the filler. It's like the it's the like uh it's the caulk between the the tiles in your bathroom. It's just it's awful. Okay, it, it, I don't understand. It's so dry <laughs> and it's like stale. It's stale bread. You're willingly eating stale bread and you're citing stale bread as a positive in terms of like what you like why you why you're choosing this. I like my Melba toast. I like it in there. I'm just telling you I like it. I look I I, I do not do not decry your selections. I I feel like you're Cuz mine are sane. No, they're they're not. They're really you took Triscuit with the second pick overall. Yeah, Triscuits are great. Chex Mix is garbage, man. <laughs> this is insane. And also, by the way, Chex Mix has pretzels in it. You've already chosen all pretzels. <laughs> what is your obsession with pretzels? It's unhealthy. Well, is it, Well, it's all unhealthy. You just took Cheetos. <laughs> no, I took Fritos. <laughs> oh, you took Fritos. Cheetos are coming. Yeah, I'll, you know, I'll, I'll take Cheetos now. Watch this. Cheetos, number four. Cheetos, a disgusting... So disgusting. Warped the witch's finger of fried cornmeal covered in fake orange dust, deeply fried and salted. The best thing you've ever eaten. <laughs> you love now. Now you like the little thin, like braided ones, or the they're big. They're all ones? good. No, they're all good. They're all they, again. An evil scientist, Werner von Frito, invented the Frito, and Wilhelm. Von Cheeto invented the Cheeto, and they're evil scientists who who like, figured out a magic recipe of how to make your brain synapses go loopy, and they're it's amazing. I, I there are people I know who have in our writers' room who eat them with chopsticks, which I think is kind of an ingenious way to avoid the Cheeto dust solution problem. And uh, it's a very funny thing to see people sort of like delicately and daintily eating. The world's grossest and yet most delicious <laughs> snack food with chopsticks. <laughs> it's kind of ingenious. I'm doing that now. That is that is the yeah. greatest thing I've ever heard. Okay, so look, yeah. I I actually do not of that ilk of 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 chip of that ilk of of food. Cheetos are not my favorite. Uh, uh, you know, and and they're to me they're well behind uh, Doritos. But. Um, the idea of eating them with chopsticks has sort of come, brought me around. That idea, I could see uh, that I got to do that. That that is that sounds awesome to me. So you just have people sitting around your room, they're they're throwing around ideas, and they're just eating Cheetos with chopsticks. That's what you're telling me. That's right. It's and it's hilarious. <laughs> I I think that's the greatest thing I've ever heard. All right, that that saves that pick. All right, that that totally saves that pick. All right, with my fifth pick. Uh, you know, there, look, there are a lot of, and anything with salt on it, let's be honest, is not going to be terrible. Um, but I'm going to take the, and I, I'm going to take a specific brand this time to, uh, to, to bring your ethical, uh, things together. I'm going to take the Utz barbecued potato chip as my, as my fifth pick. Uh, and it will be Utz and it will be barbecue. Uh, all Utz chips are delicious. Uh, really, most potato chips are delicious. Uh, my wife would choose uh, Pringles at this point, uh, which I don't think is a great uh, chip. But but again, put salt on it; it's fine. Uh, the Utz barbecue potato chip is delicious. Couldn't be a better thing to have, like when when you're barbecuing. Uh, it tastes good with everything. Uh, there's nothing else to say. Utz barbecue potato chip with my fifth pick. Here's what's happened now in the first round. 
you chose Willie Mopena first overall. <laughs> you saw Willie Mopena taking batting practice. You were like, that guy hits long home runs. I'm taking Willie Mopena first overall. Right. Then with your fifth pick, here's what happened. You saw Ricky Henderson hit a home run in the old-timers softball game in Miami, and you were like, you know, I'll bet Ricky Henderson can still play. I'm, I'm going to draft Ricky Henderson 59-year-old Ricky Henderson and see if he's still got something left in the tank. That's what just happened. That's what okay. the Utz barbecue potato chip is. It's Ricky Henderson, 60-year-old Ricky Henderson. What, why, why is the – and I don't know that I even want to go down this road. Why is the Utz barbecue potato chip like an old Ricky Henderson? I mean, uh, so many reasons. Number one, Utz potato chips are not by any stretch of the imagination the best potato chip. There's like four or five brands better than Utz potato chips. Second of all, even if they were the best, you know for a fact, Joe, that they are a huge advertiser of the the New York Yankees. (laughs) And and morally speaking, you have have no right – to, to draft them for that reason alone. That's Number point. three, the barbecue potato chip is like the fourth or fifth best flavor of potato <laughs> chip. It's generally speaking pretty gross. So you've chosen the fourth or fifth best brand that is morally compromised because of its association with the New York Yankees. And then you've chosen like the fifth best flavor of that fourth or fifth best <laughs> brand. All right. I, I disagree with you on the brands. Utz chips are delicious. And I disagree with you on the barbecue, obviously, because barbecue chips are awesome. Um, but I can't disagree with you about the moral issues with the Yankees. Yeah. That, that is a, Thank that you. That is a fair point. That is a fair point. Uh, does this mean I have to stop buying them or or do I just have to start promoting you, them? Listen, you do, you do what you think is right. <laughs> I know I, I've made my choices. You can make yours. Uh so, okay, for my fifth pick, I could choose Doritos, although I'm as a protest, as a general protest for how overrated I think they are. Yeah, they are I'm not going to choose them. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I could take Ritz crackers, which are delicious. Ritz no. crackers are wonderful crackers, no. but I'm not. I'm going to take the only salty snack that is directly related to the game of baseball that I love, which is the sunflower seed. Oh, yeah. Sunflower seeds are the best. Recently, because of my son's tournaments, I started, they sell them at these tournaments, you know? And I've started, uh, yeah, and when I played baseball in high school, that was, I loved sunflower seeds. I would choose, put a giant wad of them in my cheek and then, and slowly crack them, (laughs) learn how to crack them, remove the sunflower seeds, spit out the shell. And I've recently like recovered that skill (laughs) and now I can't stop. And they're not good for you, by the way. They're obviously the amount of sodium in like a quarter of a cup of, of, Sunflower seeds that are salted is enough sodium for the entire day. It's a quarter day. of a cup. Yeah, it's a quarter of a cup. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And uh, it's way too much sodium. And, uh, and the sunflower seeds themselves aren't particularly – they're high, very high in fat. They're, they're not a good – it's not a good snack. However, I love them so much. <laughs> I love them. And I ate so many of them during one particularly tense tournament game that when I got home, I had this feeling I haven't had since I was like 15, which is the side of my cheek was oh, like yeah. oh, rough yeah. from, the, yeah. from the salt. <laughs> and I was like, oh, yeah, I remember that. I used to feel like this every day of my life because I would do it every day of practice. I would, I would uh, eat sunflower seeds. And I, I, I have a new, a renewed love affair with the sunflower seeds. So I'll take them fifth overall. Sunflower seeds are great. That's that's you. I'm not saying you saved your draft, but I'm saying that the sunflower seed is awesome. Uh, There are a couple of thoughts on the sunflower seed. One, what do you think of these people selling? And you can get them like if you go to even to like a Whole Foods or something, they'll you can buy them by the scoop. Unshelled sunflower seeds. 
the worst. The worst a crime. A, a crime. An actual crime against humanity. They By the way, it's the same as same as unshelled pistachios. What is the point? Yeah, I agree. Of the pistachio, if not to to break it in half and eat it. The same as the, the sunflower seed. The unshelled sunflower seed is. I mean, I, look. If you're making a salad. And the recipe for the salad calls for sunflower seeds. Yeah, yeah, totally that's, fine. That's, but that's a different that's thing. But just as like a snack, what are you doing? <laughs> it, that is insane. It is. It's totally nuts. First of all, the I would say, I mean, I don't know the, the exact percentage, but don't you think like 88% of the sodium in sunflower seeds are in the shell? So that like literally when you put them in your mouth – all you do is get this huge wave of sodium, of salt. Oh, it's, I think it's more than – I think it's 95%. If you actually look on the back of like David's sunflower seed, you can see it, it breaks it down for you. It breaks it like you know, at the seed itself versus seed and shell. It actually wow. breaks it down. I think wow. it's like 90 – I think literally think it's 95% of the sodium is the shell. It's incredible. It's incredible. And then, and then yeah, I mean – the whole point, and, and you're right about the pistachio too. I could have taken the pistachio. That that actually would have been a really good pick. Pistachios. Yeah, that was that was that was on my board too. The pistachio, yeah, pistachio but then you chose like you chose all nuts, so I decided to move on with my <laughs> with my. Well, then life. I get the pistachio. That's good. Um, <laughs> no, but it's it's a uh, yeah. I love the sunflower. I love the ability to to. Uh, eat the sunflower when you put like a bunch of sunflower seeds in your mouth. The ability to eat them is such an awesome skill to have. You feel like at the end, I mean, you're not really eating that much, uh, but you feel like you've really accomplished like something, right? You feel like, yeah, that's part of the, that's part of the fun. My mouth and I ate all of them. I mean, it was, that's a huge part of it. That's a huge part of it. And it's like a, it, it, it is a feeling of like process, you know, it's like you, it's not just like you just throw it in your mouth. It's like a thing. You choose it, you put it in, you crack it, you remove it. Yes. You put the, and I used to, when I was playing, I don't do this anymore, but when I was playing, I used to put the, I used to reassemble the shell. I used to, the goal was to crack the shell, remove the sunflower seed, tuck the sunflower seed in my other cheek, reassemble the shell, basically, put the two halves of the shell together with like my tongue and teeth, and then spit the shell out whole. Together That's as a the whole? Fun. I yeah. like that. Yeah. Yeah, it's really I, fun. If you, it doesn't always work because the shell doesn't always crack perfectly. Right. But when it does and you can reassemble it, it's a very satisfying spit because it flies further because it's like a it's a little unit, you know. It's, a it's like unit. a it's like a yeah. But but they'll break apart in midair. Yeah, they they sometimes they do, but sometimes they're kind of weirdly sealed. Oh, that's cool. That's, <laughs> all right, well that's that's our that's our uh, salty uh, salty draft. Um, n- nothing left to say on that. All right, one last meaningless thing to end this meaningless thing. It's one last meaningless thing to end this meaningless thing. We talk about sports and we draft things we know, like how beaches are terrible places to go. No hot fruit for Michael or Diet Coke for Joe. The podcast won't. It's one last one. And you have the first one. Uh, I'm scared of... I've never been in a cherry picker. I think that's what they're called, but I'm scared of them. <laughs> the, like the little box with the sort of accordion, you know, thing that lifts up to so people can trim trees. Right, right. Like I've, never, I've never been in one. Right. But I, when I see them, I get scared as if I am about to get into one. 
Like I, they seem so rickety and unstable. I'm nervous, especially when it's like a guy on the street who's like who's going up to like you know in L.A. They have people go up and hack off old dead palm fronds from right. palm trees so that sure. they don't like fall and hurt people. And every time I see them, I'm I'm like I'm like don't get I'm like get out of there get get out of that thing. It's not safe. And I'm sure that it, sure it is. It just to me I'm I have a fear. I have a fear that I am going to somehow, against my will, be put into a cherry picker and then raised up into the air. Raised up in the air. Now, does now is this a height thing? Now, do you when you see people like climbing high, do you have that same feeling, or is it specific to the cherry picker? I don't love heights. I'm not like I I, I can happily go up into a tall building. I can be on right. a roof. I can. It's not. It's it's not. I don't love them, but I'm not afraid of them. So right. I don't know if it's a height. I think it's just something about how unstable the cherry picker looks. It with that accordion yeah, lifting mechanism, yeah. 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 No, I agree. I agree. I, I, I do see people in those in those things, and it doesn't feel like, especially the way they're raised, like that that arm does not seem. I mean, of course, it is stable, but it doesn't seem stable. It seems like that there should be more of an elevator type lift to it, rather than sort of a you know the arm unfolds and picks them up. And I, I, don't I know think it's also it. just like a wider base or something that I yeah. want from it. I can't quite tell. Yeah, I, I I think that's fair. I think that's that's nice and meaningless. Um, my one last meaningless thing, actually, a reader of uh, the reader or listener or both uh, sent this in, and I should know who that is, but I do not. Uh, but it's something I've been thinking about for a while. <clears throat> we have got to fix the technology on cereal boxes so that when you open cereal boxes and you can then you know you can then reseal them. You're supposed to be able to like use the flap on top to reseal them. They, they, they've gotten really, really flimsy on those things. Now, when you open the box, it tears in half. That cardboard is not the same quality, I think, as it used to be. I think we're, we're, they're really letting us down. And now you can't reseal cereal boxes nearly as well anymore because it, like half of it is torn up and half of it's down. Um, so I'm, I'm calling for a definite uh, sort of an American – I think we could just build – Sort of American momentum to to giving us cereal boxes that you can just open and then and then reseal. I'm gonna say this uh, in, with a hundred percent sincerity. Yeah, this is this is the best <laughs> um, meaningless thing you've ever done. Yeah. In fact, it's the best one either of us has ever done. I agree. This is it. This is important. You know, like, I was I was furious that you drafted Willie Mo Pena and Ricky Henderson <laughs> in your draft, and I felt like. It, w- it spoke ill of your character, but this has totally brought me back because this is a hugely important issue. Uh, <laughs> cereal box technology is terrible. terrible. The, box is, the box itself doesn't open properly. It certainly doesn't seal properly. The bags are often uh, poorly made and poorly they made. tear and they don't. So it's hard, to, it's hard to keep the cereal fresh by sealing up the bag and then the box doesn't seal close properly. I would also add to this that the that there's a huge problem if you have a pet there's a huge national crisis involving uh dried pet food in terms of how you open the bag how the the bags are some of them are literally impossible to open you just have to like cut them with scissors right and then and then they don't seal properly obviously because there's no way to seal them and that means that the food gets stale and then your pet doesn't want to eat it it's a there is a massive national crisis involving the mechanisms by which we both open and then seal for freshness various types of food for humans and pets and we need this needs to be the top priority of the u.s government i don't think 
I don't. I haven't been following the news a lot lately. I don't think there's a lot going on, so no, they should be able to get. On. They should be able to get on this right away, and we should come together. This should be a bipartisan effort, absolutely, to, to fix to a hundred percent focus on fixing the ways in which we package our food. Yeah, f- food containers that we are given, uh, they're they're not up to they're not up to what we. No. What are we? What are we as a country? Who? Thank you. Who are we as a people? Who are we? That's a, we need to do some real self-examination here, and we need to get to the bottom of like who we think we are as a people, as a country, as a nation, as a nation of of immigrants and of of hardworking people who care about each other, who are a community. We need to come together and fix this problem because it is a huge problem. It is. It is. I mean, we who won? Who who came in and helped win World War II? Who did? Thank that? you. Thank you, know? you. Thank you. Yes. I, I, when we put our mind to something in America, we can do it. We can accomplish it. And all that this takes, this huge problem, all it takes is us deciding that it's a problem, that we right. need to fix it. And then you will see in a, in, a, uh, in a wonderful patriotic montage shot by Michael Bay <laughs> with flags, American flags waving and little kids running around with, uh, with uh, uh, model planes like playing in the backyard sure. Sure. and can kids you know, like going down to the to pond uh, to go fishing at the old fishing hole. Break You'll see this beautiful break montage. Break. Yes, that's right. You'll see this beautiful montage of America, the beautiful, yep. coming together and to, to fix this thing, that this problem that plagues us as a country. It plagues us. And and you're right. I mean, I, I, I think in, in, a, in a way, I mean, I'm, I'm glad to bring this finally up. I think both of us saying this can maybe lead us a little further. On the other hand, might not be meaningless enough. No, it's still meaningless. <laughs> yeah, all right. It's, it's incredibly meaningless. I mean, our our this uh, this bit that we're doing, notwithstanding, it's utterly meaningless. Oh, yeah. that's what's no, up don't right. don't worry. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, oh, no. oh, yeah. Good. You're you're good. You're good. You're on you're on solid ground in terms of how meaningless that was. <laughs> all right. So there you go. Another podcast in the books. Yeah, well, listen, but preemptively, I'm going to say this because you've you've earned the right to just rest for a second. So I'm going to preemptively say thanks for having me. <laughs> You're welcome. <laughs> <laughs> that was a preemptive. I like it. It's totally new.